Hi, I'm Lisa. Welcome to Pillontology, the pod about the wild and wonderful worlds of prescription pill medication. Every epi, I'll feature a pill and talk to a friend, or maybe not a friend, about their experience on that pill. Also a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist, although sometimes I like to pretend that I am. Hope you enjoy. Today we're doing Lamictal. Lamictal is a drug used to treat bipolar disorder, but also it's an anti-epileptic medication. It's been used for bipolar since 2003, and it is the 63rd most commonly prescribed med in the U.S. And the way it works is it prevents glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter in our brain, and it prevents it from going into your synaptic cleft. It also is a 5-HT3 antagonist, so it blocks 5-HT3, and that is the mechanism of action for a lot of anti-nausea medications, like Zofran, which I take also. Love Zofran. Give it out a lot. <laughs> you do? For old people? <laughs> no, for pregnancy. Oh, oh, right. Yes. It's, like, very safe for pregnancy, and I hand it out like, like it's free crackers. So... Today, as you can tell, I have a friend, Christina, on the pod, and Christina works in a labor and delivery unit in a hospital, and so she hands out Zofran, like crackers, to pregnant ladies about to give birth, but she is here to talk about Lamictal, which she is on. She's about to take it as we speak. She got the pill bottle. What's the milligram? 200, baby. 200, and you take one a day? Yes, one a day. Uh, are you on it for, do you know exactly what you're on it for, or was it just... No, um, that's one of the interesting things, I think, about me as your guest right now, because I don't really know why I'm on it. Um, I know that I have never been per, um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I've never been diagnosed with a mood disorder, but um, my psychiatrist... Um, Really, she speaks very highly of Lamictal. Like, she tells me that it's helped a lot of her clients and her patients, whatever we're calling them these days. I don't know. It changes a lot. Um, But she thought it would help me with my anxiety because I have other things going on with anxiety, like depression, panic disorder. You have comorbidities. Exactly. It's interesting. I always wonder if I were a psychiatrist, would I latch on to one med that I really loved, like say Adderall, and and yeah. give it out to a bunch of my patients say Adderall. In, yeah. in the same way that she yeah. does with Lamictal, it sounds like? She is very much a fan of Lamictal. She thinks it's a very um, groundbreaking, this, from what she said to me, a groundbreaking medication. And that she said this to me, that if she was in her 20s, going through med school and all the stress that she had then looking back she wishes she had had a drug like Lamictal which for those of you who don't like know anything at all about drugs it's not like a benzo like Xanax or anything you don't feel anything like fun or anything it slowly builds in your system it's not like a fun drug but she wishes she um had it because she thinks that it would have really helped her which I thought was interesting and very personal 
So it generally is used for mood disorders, Mm -hmm. which a mood disorder is like depression or bipolar, and it is separately classified in the DSM from anxiety disorders, which are like OCD, PTSD. Um, But for me, I kind of, I kind of place them on two ends of the same spectrum. I feel like if you have one, you usually have the other. I might be mistaken, but if you have one. If you have anxiety, you probably have yeah depression. Because if you're very, if you're anxious all the time, it's gonna make you kind of feel shitty, right? And then you're gonna feel kind of depressed. So yeah, I agree. Exactly. For sure. So some of the off-label uses for lamictal are cluster headaches, migraines, visual snow. It doesn't help with my migraines at all, and I've thought about that before. Really? Yeah. Um. But maybe they'd be worse. I don't know. Does anything help for your migraines? No. Just, it might just it's be treatment-resistant. Yeah. I wouldn't have even specifically sought out treatment as a whole. I just knew that Lamictal was also used sometimes for migraines, and I thought that was interesting because I get them wicked bad. Do you get the visual snow? No. Well, I wish I did. It sounds kind of fun. <laughs> it's also used for treatment-resistant OCD. Uh, and then, interestingly, I found there's a condition called Hallucinogen Persisting Perception Disorder. And that's for people who can't stop seeing things from the hallucinogenic drugs. That you know taken. someone who I think might benefit from that? Who? Zach. Shout out to Zach Z. He who might, shall not be named. My baby's father. Uh, well, took a lot of acid. He might be mentioned later in the pod, but if he gets uh, lucky. But that definitely, I've never done any hallucinogenics. So, so sad. So to your well, to your dismay. <laughs> You know, if you do, you'll... Yeah, at least I'm, I'm, have, I'm cushioned. Yeah, I have a safety, have a safety net, net yeah. known as um, Lametrogen ER. Um, and then the last thing that it's used for sometimes is borderline personality disorder. So, Christina, uh, you have had a history of different drugs that you've used for mm-hmm. mood. Uh, what have you used before Lamictal? Um so the first thing I was ever prescribed was Lexapro. Um, that was when I was about 18. I took it for a few weeks, ate a pop brownie with you, <laughs> and um, had a really bad panic attack. Don't remember that. Um, I It was when I was living with, I guess I was 19. It was when I was living above the Taco Bell, um, KFC Taco Bell on State Street in Madison. I had an extreme, like, out-of-body experience from a little weed brownie and I happened to be taking Lexapro and it was like really bad I made Emma like let me sleep with her in her bed I feel like I've told you about this that's also classic I was like I'm scared can I sleep with you so anyhow the next time I talked to my psychiatrist she was like how have you been feeling have you been nervous and I said well I had this really weird panic attack I don't remember but I imagine I probably left out the weed brownie part but she was like let's stop that and switch you to Wellbutrin um so I got on the butte butte but train <laughs> and um it was fine I just wasn't super um committed to um taking any taking um like, any pill I just didn't care I wasn't suffering that much where I was like the way I was a few years ago and, like, completely committed myself to doing what my psychiatrist thought was best for me. Um, so I just sort of, like, stopped taking it. I don't really remember 
disliking it or liking it. I probably took it for like a month or something. Um, yeah, I don't remember you being on anything consistently in college. Maybe like here and yeah. there, but I had like a little like tryst with Cymbalta. Um, my mom takes Cymbalta, and um, the doctor I was seeing at the time was also um, her doctor and said, "Well, if it works well for her, then odds are it'll work well for you because she's your mom." And um, I don't remember having any negative side effects from that. I don't really remember having any negative side effects from any medications I've ever taken. I feel like Christina has an optimal fitness level in the sense that she doesn't get side effects. She can survive on little sleep. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) She's like a robot built for this earth physically. Wow. (laughs) I I feel that. That's really nice. I don't feel like that, um, but... You've weathered high storms and you've been fine. Physically. That's true. Yeah. And I'm mentally more robust than I was um, in any other decade of my life. Right Um, now. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, But, um, and Zoloft is the only other um, uh, pharmaceutical that I've taken for mental health or whatever. So I started that like a few days after my daughter was born because as you know I had like extreme anxiety and I had a lot of stressors at home. So Christina um, had a daughter three and a half years ago. Four and a half. Four and a half years ago. She's gonna be five in December. Yeah. Damn. Lisa was at my baby shower. She Oops. just doesn't remember. It's uh okay. it's all it's all <laughs> No, I know. The pharma. <laughs> the pharma in my brain. Yeah. So I can speak from the perspective of a postpartum person and if you haven't had kids postpartum will probably hit you really like a ton of bricks it's hard mentally like even for the most robust mentally which I know that's not what you were saying about me which is fair I don't think I'm the most robust mentally but that makes me wonder like any of your friends who have had kids do you feel like that they've also had not I mean my situation was a little bit like postpartum uh, stark but like because of yeah, you're my ex, but yeah. um yeah, yes. like um Nikki, did she okay? Nikki Meow out her Nikki, name if you want. I don't know. Nikki hasn't she's good. Nikki seems yeah, she seems That's good. So good. My mom said that postpartum is very real. My mom, mm-hmm. for listeners out there, is somebody who would never admit that anything is wrong mm-hmm. psychologically to anybody, to herself even. And she said when she had a baby, she had no idea what to do with it and, like, would cry all the time. And retrospectively, she is convinced she had postpartum, but it's not something she knew at the time, which I think happens with depression. I think when you're in it, you're not really aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then once you've gone out of it, it's like emerging from viscous fluid and being able to... Like, what the fuck did I just put up with? How was I handling that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after call, so for listeners out there, we had a rough college go. It was not fun. Um, we had to adapt to a new um, country um, <laughs> slash ecosystem known as Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it was hard. It it shouldn't have been hard. We had everything, but we were like coddled snowflakes. Literally, know. snowflake is a good term. Yeah. Yeah. So we emerged scathed. But we emerged, and Christina Christina went on to do her nursing degree, and then you had a baby, mm-hmm. and then you started the Lamictal after. Yeah, so when I first um, gave birth to my daughter within the first week, um, I realized that um, 
I, I, I was just completely freaking out for many reasons. I think I would have had postpartum anxiety issues no matter what situation I was in, but I was not in a great situation to keep any of that at bay. Um, and like, I'm happy to talk about all of that, but for the sake of like going straight into about the medication, um, the first psychiatrist who could see me, cause I was like, I need help right now. Like I'm so, I was so anxious. I was having panic attacks, like multiple times a day. I couldn't eat. It wasn't good. So, um, she gave me Zoloft and then I, um, had a, um, an appointment with a, another psychiatrist who is still my psychiatrist today, who I love and respect. And I think she's a great doctor and we get along, um, well and have a really good rapport. Um, and she, um, I don't remember how quickly, maybe within the first six months of my daughter's life, decided to add Lamictal to the Zoloft regimen and take, she thought I was on way too much Zoloft for someone of my size. How much were you on? Um, I think I was like on 150 and she was like, that is not helping. Like she, she, I don't know enough about the like pharmacology of Zoloft as much as I do Lamictal, which isn't as weight-based. So now I, I'm on like 50 milligrams of that, and I've toyed with the idea of, with her of going down further because I'm not even sure the Zoloft does anything, but um, we can talk about that later, but she thinks it's like not really a good time, um, <coughs> COVID, to like... <laughs> oh, sorry, throat's feeling a little itchy. Um, to change up my like Zoloft Lamictal cocktail. Anyhow, so when she told me about Lamictal, um, you know, I would pretty much do whatever she wanted me to do. I just wanted to feel better. And um, Lamictal, you have to titrate up very slowly. So it's um, like a six-week commitment to even get to the dose that you'll be taking because it's a very high risk. Um, I mean, it's rare, but high compared to a lot of other drugs where they have Steven Johnson syndrome, it's like a very rare skin disorder. And my grandmother actually got it from a different medication. So she, so it's familial, like you could yeah. get it. So you, ha- but they require all patients, no matter what, to titrate up 12.5 milligrams at a time, um, per week, I believe it's hard for me to remember. And this isn't something that I give at work, obviously. I don't think, I don't know if you can take it when you're pregnant. Good thing. I'm celibate. So I don't have to worry about that. um um but so I was like okay I'll you know you have to I think that one of the things about Lamictal is that like you have to be in a headspace to like actually want to do it because you it'll take you forever if you keep not taking it or like forgetting to take it Mm -hmm. because you have to titrate up slowly to be safe and if you forget to take it for like four days it's not safe to just take it again because but There's once it's risk. built up in your system, mm-hmm. then You're you can fine. forget yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, I've forgotten for like two or three days, but they say like if you forget for like five or something to call your doctor, I don't know, I'm not like and that. And what's your dosage now? Um, Lamictal 200, and this is the extended release okay. that they um, came out with recently or something. She switched it to me. And did you notice within the first week, did you notice any effects? No. But again, I was still titrating. I wasn't even out up to the therapeutic dose for six weeks. So you were at 12 and a half and 25 yeah. and then whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
doesn't matter. It but just yeah, kept on going you on. get the yeah. idea. Yeah. So um, it's hard for me to say um, exactly how any medications were affecting me during that time in my life because I was so unhappy with my home life. I was under a lot of stress, and I think that there's no. The, there's no medication in the world that could have made that go away. Um, yeah, we've so, talked about that. We talked about that uh, on the last epi, how a life experience trumps any medication that you'll ever oh, yeah, take. yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I do think that, I mean, in hindsight, I'm sure that having um, a little bit of extra cushion mentally from Lamictal or Zoloft or whatever helped me extricate myself from that situation um a little bit more smoothly than I would have otherwise and I don't have I feel like I can appreciate the um effects of um you know Lamictal or Zoloft it's hard for me to know which is which though because I've been taking Mm -hmm. them both pretty much for almost four and a half years not Zoloft maybe four but um it's hard to parse out what was done right. on your own versus on Zola right. versus Lamictal versus the mix of everything. Yeah. Because obviously as soon as I left Zach, I felt so much better. I felt relieved. I felt safe. And that took away a lot of panic. And I don't have panic attacks very often. Like the last time I had one was at work, but my patient was coding and like... The first time that happens, I think a lot of people have panic attacks. So Coding I, is, like, basically it, you die, you're... You have to call, like, a code and a whole team of doctors from within the hospital come and try to save your patient's life. Coding and, is, you can either code do not resuscitate or... Yeah, or for full maternal. Code. Yeah, so it's, like, code blue maternal, because I only work with women, and they're always postpartum or pregnant. Is blue for color? Just at my hospital, I guess, that's... Oh. Um, code green is, like, if somebody's assaulting somebody. Um, oh, blue just seems like somebody died. Oh, so it's, I don't know. Code red is a fire. Code brown... Red is a fire. ...is not real, but we say it sometimes. For poop? Yeah. Yeah. If someone, like, shits aggressively all over the room. Because that happens sometimes during yeah, labor. Everybody is says they so poop beautiful. during pregnancy. Yeah. Normally, it's not, like, code brown level, but, like, if someone has... MRSA and <laughs> like <laughs> if someone is I mean C. diff if someone has C. diff and they like are also pregnant they still have to give birth and they might poop a lot anyhow um I feel like I panic in appropriate situations that call for panic that's <laughs> more now um and so, also, for listeners out there, Christina is incredible. She got through she got through nursing school, and then she had this kind of... She had a very heavy situation where she was living with the parents of her then-husband and pregnant and mired in just, just badness. And then she had her baby, and shortly thereafter, she decided to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And... About two years after that, did you get take your nursing boards and then go and work? Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was a little bit of a rough start, but then she got everything. She got her life in order, and she's thriving. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, you did. It makes me feel good to hear that. Um, but, yeah, it was a super bumpy road. Um, and like we were saying before, it's really hard to know what variables played the biggest part. But at the end of the day, I think that... 
I'm like very pro people taking medication if they want to. I don't give a shit if people don't want to. I feel like people should at least try if their life is like really fucked up and things are really bad. They should try a medication. But at the end of the day, you know, obviously uh, you have to decide to do anything. A medication's not, it's not a panacea for anything, any medication. So... I don't know. I've had a lot of perspectives in my ear over, you know, the past four or five years. Um, like my brother, for example, super anti, um, pharmaceutical drugs. So this is something I wanted to ask. Could your family or anybody around you tell the difference after you've titrated up from Lamictal right away? No. No. No, because I think I was still in such a primal state of like, not to be melodramatic, but, like, a primal state of fear from... I was, like, very afraid of Zach mm-hmm. and living with him and um, trying to leave and feeling forced to not leave, um, that it would be really hard to... for anyone to notice a change in me because I was so, like, jumpy and scared and abused, so... Um, but I do remember that after I had, um, left him and I had been, you know, staying at my parents for a few months, I remember my sister who isn't always the kindest or the first to dole out compliments, um, said that she had never seen me so stable emotionally. And, um, I like reflected in that moment too and realized that like I hadn't felt that stable in a really long time and now is that because I went through like a really like oddly stressful couple of years and then I was out of it and I was older a little bit more mature had a kid and like Mm -hmm. you know was able to be more grounded was it the medication or both probably both probably both it was still nice to hear regardless and um I still take my lamictal every day and you're still on the Prozac, too. No. I mean, I've not never the Prozac, the Zoloft. Oh, yeah, Zoloft. Sorry. Yeah. The Zoloft. And anything else? Um, Vyvanse PRN. PRN when you're working. Yeah. Shout or out to Vyvanse. <laughs> um, and Clonopin PRN. Okay. And what about to sleep? Um, I've had a few months, like, here and there. Maybe, like, three. Especially when I was on night shift, where um, my doctor gave me, like, 10 Ambien. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cool and stuff. I don't... I, I definitely liked being able to sleep, because I'm... I'm. It, it was not easy for me to adjust to night shift with a... Also with a toddler at home who, like, just doesn't give a shit about... Your schedule, me. yeah. Yeah, of course. So... Um, it definitely helped me then. I don't feel like I need it now. Um, and clonopin, um, sometimes I don't know if I need that either, but I take it sometimes if I like feel like I'm going to have a stressful day or if I'm feeling a little bit like, eh, I don't know. But if some, if I like lost my clonopin, I wouldn't have like a breakdown or something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's times in the past, like years ago when I was with Zach, where I would have been like, ah, oh my God, like I need Just it so because I'm so scared yeah. of being scared and I'm already scared all the time. I can't handle it. Like, but, um, I don't know. Um, where do you think you got that sense of always being scared? 
Um, well, I mean, again, like, I mean, I was facing, like, sort of, like, actual, like, physical threats on a daily basis and sometimes, and often not just threats on a daily basis. So I was on a new level of always scared when I was with Zach. Um, and you know, I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just trying to tell like my side of how I felt really honestly. I know you know that, but mm -hmm. still I feel the need to say that. Um, but I always felt anxious, um, ever since I can remember, but not like that. I wasn't afraid of like, you know, yeah, getting hurt really badly or, you know, just afraid for my like immediate safety. Do you think that, uh, prior when you felt anxious, it's something that you felt when you were even very like a kid? Mm -hmm. You do? Yeah. It's interesting because I look back. And we were really, really close when we were kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never, I never got that from you. Yeah. I think that one of the things that made me feel less anxious was being around my friends right. who yeah. would make me laugh or like we would, you know, just, it would distract me from like some sort of like existential anxiety that I didn't understand. And I also didn't understand that other people didn't feel that way also. Um, I, I remember when I was like younger, like when I was, you know, before, when I was, like, five to, like, eight years old, I had, like, this, always this fear of, like, every disease that I would learn about, I would be terrified that I you had run it. run-of-the-mill hypochondriosis. Yeah. But puberty knocked that right out of me because my hormones overtook the fear of you were dying. <laughs> yeah. Basically, my hormones were like, fuck that. We're going to die. We're going to die. But let's do it. Having fun with boys. So, um, and yeah, you know, but so I know a lot of people like still do suffer from hypochondria as an adult, but I've read about it and I, I, from what I've read, unless, please correct me if I'm wrong eventually, if you look it up, but I think it's more common in children. So that makes um, sense. I it's think, something that's so tangible. It's right. Like I remember when we were, I remember I had like a trick, I got triggered by the Ryan White book. Like I had been fine for a while. And then that book. Shout out to Miss Manhoff. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Renat. Um, you really scared me. Just kidding. Ryan White's book about a little kid who gets AIDS through he, blood, uh, blood transfusion. Right. Um, and um, I remember throwing the book at the wall in my <laughs> brother's room and being like, oh, fuck this. Like it's too scary. And I think I was like 11 or something. But, like, my hypochondria was really, wasn't that bad at that point. I could just redirect to, like, social things and not Be worry fine. about it. Yeah. Did 23andMe tell you you were Jewish a little bit? It said I had um, DNA very similar to Ashkenazi Jewish people. Makes sense. It all checks out. Mm-hmm. But, um... And then I told my dad, and he was like, what? That must be a mistake. Um, and then I told my mom, and because it came from... Both my parents had done 23andMe, and it came from my mom's side, which makes sense because she's Italian, and, like, Italians are kind of like, well, you know, Jews. never know what they are. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Are you Sicilian-Italian? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm Southern, mainly Southern Italian, and then, like, you know how they do hot spots on the map? Mm -hmm. It's, like, Sicily and Southern Italy. So, you know, like, my, my mom's, my mom's not dark, but, like, the rest of her family's Your super dark. Your mom's kind of dark. Your mom looks my Jewish. My uncle's super dark. Yeah, she does. People yeah. either think she's Jewish or Italian. It's the nose. It's the nose. 
Shout out, shout out to Dr. Schoenfeld for this nose. Do you know what I, (laughs) word, do you know what I um, read recently was that like, this is just so random I came across is that like the size of a man's nose dictates the size of his ding dong. Hey, Adrian Brody. Do you think that's true? Uh, I'm trying to think about it in my own life and I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true. But I think but neither are hands and foot thing. Yes, that's not true either. So where is the truth? I think the truth is that people are proportional, usually. Unless they're like midgets or, you know, have some congenital deformity. We're having whispers on the side. (laughs) Just some of the people that I've slept with, podcast (laughs) listeners, haven't been proportional um, in the sense that they were bigger than I thought they would be. Some ligaments were longer than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. I don't know. Well, um, maybe it's earlobes. It could, it could be. You have big earlobes. Maybe I'd have a big old dick. Maybe. (laughs) If you were, Christina's very effeminate for podcast listeners. She was definitely, (laughs) she's nowhere on the trans spectrum. No, um, I don't, um, I gender bend like aggressively backwards, but like, like towards hetero, but like I. You're aggressively hetero. Yeah, I just no. We're not being. I I identify as aggressively, um, aggressively female, um, for some reason, and um, I don't know. I wonder if that's like, like I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this is gonna come. Someone could spin this as me being really like rude or something. I'm not trying to. I'm the one who's being rude. Also, and also, it's not rude. We're just just being being real. real. Um. I, yeah. Where do you feel uh, since we're bringing this up? I think I have masculine, some masculine energy. Like, I can be a boss, but I'm very, like, I I have swollen limbs. I have big boobs. I have big hips. You are definitely estrogen. Yeah. Estrogenized. I'm I'm estrogen abundant. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no lack of estrogen in this like general not in area right this second. Our skin is good. Yeah, we've never taken anything. I hope are, to, my nipples are hard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There. <laughs> I hope to interview somebody who is on acne meds oh, about their good. experience, but neither one of us has ever done that. Nope. Yeah. Um, my sister has. Maybe she can be on the pod. She was on Accutane. Actually, I took Accutane just because it was available over the counter in Russia in a really low dose at five milligrams once every two weeks. My skin was beautiful. The truth comes out. Everybody said it was radiant. (laughs) Your skin's radiant now. Why, thank you. It's COVID. COVID's done wonders to everything. I know. COVID blasted this system out, and now I I don't know. Christina looks great. She looks like she's been working out. I have Lifting not, weights, but she hasn't. I have not. I feel like people are going to fast forward through this, going to be like, stop complimenting each other. No, but anyhow, we're I'm, having a circle jerk. We want yeah. listeners to hear about it. Um, going back to like feminine versus masculine energy, I do not have a masculine energy. I do not want to be anyone's boss. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I would be a terrible boss. Um, you, yeah, you want to be. You don't want to be a follower, but you want to be in cahoots with the leader. I want to be one of the up top, like one of the leader's faves. Yeah. That's what I want to be. And that's what I, I, I try to be. I, what, that's what I think I am at work. I'll have to ask my leader, but... I believe it. Mm-hmm. You seem like you would be that. Um, 
I have a theory on trans people that I think they are the way of the future because they don't really adhere to they've had to live outside of the norm yeah. for so long and like yeah. but among all but among the people like alongside the norm and right now we're in a time where like you kind of you kind of have to excel at living outside the norm to rise above in power mm-hmm. so my feeling is that the trans people are going to rise up do you feel like um being or identifying as trans will be like one day like the majority versus the minority I think it'll be not even a conversation like there's just going to be trans people and it's I well I hope that I could I think that would be better for everyone yeah it's just like something that wasn't like an elephant in the room for a lot of people um on both sides of it the baby boomers have to die and then I think mm -hmm. they will they will they're starting (laughs) um but but yeah I also wonder about prescription pills like is I feel like throughout different times in history prescription pills have either been like lauded or been completely completely hated Mm -hmm. on like I think our parents generation for the most part is pretty anti but like you know your Mm -hmm. mom's always been pro your dad's Mm -hmm. never taken any yeah I don't I think my dad has a hard time relating or um identifying his emotions even to the point of being like maybe I need I don't know, because my dad's had, like, some trauma in his life, but he, for whatever reason, has never, I don't know. My dad, I think, was brought up to, or I know my dad was brought up to not talk about his feelings, to Mm -hmm. not um, put his feelings, not even just, like, not talk about them, but, like, to not even feel them. So, sometimes I feel like that that... um, It's a way of coping. I mean, my mom's like that. There's, like... Yeah, I don't know whether it's the right way. There's a gross oversharing of feelings that I also don't get behind that I think is, mm-hmm. like, detrimental to emotion to your emotions in general. But mm-hmm. I think there's, there's like, a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Like, sharing your feelings in a safe space but not letting them rule you and then mm-hmm. knowing... Yeah, sometimes I, like, worry that I'm, I overshare too much because I'm really blunt about, like, some of the things that I've been through with, like, anybody but I also I don't feel the need to like turn conversations to make them about that so I hope that I don't do that but um or at least I try to be cognizant of it but well it's appropriate on this pod because yeah yeah well and if anybody ever like wanted to ask like somebody at work the other day was like she felt like her husband was giving her some warning signs of, like, being abusive. And so she told me about it, and I was like, nah, it's really abusive. Like, that's not a warning sign. But, like, I also would never push somebody into, like, you need to do something about it, or, like, or or I'm going to start calling, like, your mom or something. Like, that's not the right way to go about it, in my opinion. And, um, but it is something I'm really open about. But I'm, you know, I'm open about pretty much everything that I've been through because, um, it feels uncomfortable to, I just like want people to know who I am mm-hmm. and not you wanna... like be surprised or like see me in a different, be like, Oh, whoa. Like, I never thought like she would. And know, in that, that, way that Yeah. It lessens anxiety. Yeah. So I'd rather just be, you know, in the open, especially if like I'm meeting someone new, like 
like if I was like to date somebody, like I would purge that shit out right away. Not in a weird way, but like pretty quickly. I would want them to know that like I had been married. It was like weird. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a troubled. Yeah, those are pretty formative yeah. parts of your... And if someone, like, is, like, totally, like, t- like weirded out by that, that's okay. Like, but I would rather, like, let them know that before. Like, they're going to sit down and be like, so, in 2014, this is what I was doing. But, I don't know. I just am not someone who is probably the best relationship advice giver. But if you try to put off a certain air then you're doing it wrong. Because if you if you want a partner who's going to commit to you because no one's going to want to commit to you unless they know who you are. Well, I guess there's a difference between hiding yourself and then pretending you're somebody else and uh, both are both to an extent are bad, but I do think that uh, in any relationship you have to be slow in showing yourself. This is my one of my last questions towards you. What do you think Amanda Bynes has? Um, damn. Uh, so I'm not, like, an expert on her. Can you tell me, like, the latest besides her heart tattoo and engagement? She's pregnant. Okay. Mm. And she's Ooh, I would love to be her nurse. Yeah. I would be good. Yeah, you would be great with Because I'm very, like, professional if it's, like, somebody, if it's, like, the hospital CEO's daughter or something. They'll be, like, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll blab only when appropriate. Just kidding. I would never do something like that. Um, But it seems to me like she just has like a complete, to put it really like um, in a very vague way of putting it, she doesn't have an identity and she's like grasping out at random things. And I don't think it's hard. Like I don't, I feel like she has some sort of identity disorder or personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah, personality disorder is usually marked by a really, like, not secure identity in yourself, and you use other people as a way to make your own identity by, you know, you define yourself by your reactions to others. Um, I don't know what she has, but I know that she was extremely talented, and whatever happened is Mm -hmm. really sad, but Mm -hmm. she does seem like she's doing okay. I mean, she seems very trashy with the heart tattoo. Oh my god. <laughs> Christina also has a heart tattoo that she just showed me, but I've seen before, but I forgot about. But it's hidden by her sleeve. Well, yeah. It's not my favorite it's not thing on about her face. Me. But yeah, her middle name is it's, heart. It's not on my face, and um, it's I, relevant. I wouldn't get a tat on my face. And I, God, Lord, I please, I hope I do not get any more tattoos. It's always such an impulsive thing. Um, but, um, I don't know, like, enough about Amanda Bynes, but, like, I either want to go towards, like, schizoaffective disorder or borderline personality. Well, McDowell's indicated for both listeners out there. Bringing it full circle, folks. (laughs) Full circle. She just strikes me as one of those people who got sick of being on camera and got very self-conscious about being on camera and... Uh, in the same way that, like, Rob Kardashian, like, he can't handle it anymore. Like, they seem kind of like real people who crumbled under pressure. Rob Kardashian seems way more relatable to me than Amanda Bynes. Like, I don't... She seems a little bit, like... A neuron went around. Like, like, I don't think Rob... Robert Kardashian... Rob Kardashian? I don't think he is... I mean, this is, like, complete speculation, but, like, he doesn't seem... Strike me as someone who was, like, having paranoid delusions. She does. Like, 
Yeah. I feel like he's just like has really bad body dysmorphia and like really bad anxiety and he like needs I would be, he, Yeah, he need whatever. I mean, Lamictal, pass it around. Yeah. Like everybody should try it. But um Amanda Bynes, like she could have had like maybe a predisposition to some sort of like um schizoaffective type dissociative disorder or um I don't know, personality disorders always are hard for me to kind of wrap my head around because they seem so they're run of the so umbrella they're such umbrella mm-hmm. terms for like weird like also anytime I read about one I'm like yep I have it oh my god do you know how many times I've been to it like a psychiatrist and been like do you think I have borderline personality disorder and they're like no <laughs> and I'm like but I yell like I don't know for some reason I just like always was afraid of that or like thought that I had that but yeah it's stigmatizing as fuck I would not want well, it, also but... like I was like what's wrong with me like do I have that but it seems as though the general consensus is that I don't um and if I did I would definitely like talk about it but yeah um also I don't think people who have it have any self-awareness usually that's a good that's what one of them actually said to me someone with borderline personality would never sit down here and ask me and like be like I'm scared I have borderline right I mean I'm sure somebody out there would but I don't know yeah um I've consulted different people I think I was just like borderline a mess um didn't know <laughs> well, borderline a trash bag you've gotten yourself out of that out of the trash can so to speak and yeah one you're really launched. bottle of lamictal at a time one bottle of lamictal <laughs> one titrated dose at a time exactly um so any parting words um well i think that um david should enter in a if you're experiencing domestic violence call this number at the end or something okay. that would be pretty cool all right we'll try um, we'll do that But other than that, um, you know, stay six feet apart, everybody. (laughs) Love ya. We're doing this via Zoom. Um, Yes, we... So, yeah. Do you want to recommend Lamictal? Is it a a yay or a nay? Um, I would recommend it in the sense that um, I haven't felt any side effects from it. And one of the reasons it's become more popular recently is because of the um lack of side effects not just me not feeling side effects but generally most people don't feel side effects that they do with many other um mood disorder drugs um I can't speak for like a comparison experience with another like this is the only mood stabilizer I've ever been on but um I would recommend it in that sense and I trust my doctor a lot and she speaks so highly of it that I would, you know, don't be freaked out by the term, like, whatever, mood stabilizer, or that the fact that it's normally prescribed to people who are, like, manic and bipolar and stuff like that, you don't have to have those symptoms for it to help you. Um, so, I don't know. I just think that yeah, I mean, one it's... really important thing is to not go by, like, your diagnosis, your internal um, like, yeah, physiological responses to different medicines or whatever. Yeah. Don't let like labels freak you out. And, um, I would recommend it because I don't think, I don't know. I I haven't found a downside with, at least with trying it, but I've never really had an extreme downside to trying anything, um, under a doctor's care. 
You trust doctors. Yeah, and yeah. I definitely, if you have a doctor you trust, that's really important. Um, I think that's w- more important almost than the medications you're yeah, taking. Yeah, I agree. So, um, shout out to Dr. Gary. Dr. Eisenberg, what up? <laughs> <laughs> she knows Gary. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, pod, we out. <laughs> <laughs>